Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey y'all, welcome back to a Saturday, July 15th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Stones Podcast. Jam-packed three-parter coming up today. Oh yeah, three different shows popping up on this very feed today. Uh, first things first though, college basketball today with Will Warren, statsbywill.substack.com. Go subscribe, check it out today. Best college basketball writer working today, statsbywill.substack.com. Read him today. We talk all things, you guessed it, college basketball on this very show fun fun show for you guys today we talked about chris ledlam reentering the portal for tennessee what that means for tennessee's rotation um we talked about smu why they might be the most sneaky interesting team in the aac this upcoming year bj edwards he's over there now uh why wisconsin getting a bunch of returning scoring production could mean big things for the badgers in 2023-2024 we also talk about alabama with some big portal uh entries and portal uh, guys who left the program. So where is Alabama going to be after being the best team in the SEC this past year? Uh, deep dive into what the heck is going on with the Washington Huskies out in the Northwest, why they've always had a lot of talent, just not being able to do a lot with it in recent years. Can they get back? All that and more is next with Will Warren, College Basketball Today. Will Warren, Stats by Will. Don't forget, folks, if you are not already, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Um, This show is a daily show. And if you like all things sports, make sure you're locked in. Chase Thomas Podcast, Sports Renaissance Man, Atlanta Sports Guy, BFL. That's all me on this very feed, chasethomaspodcast.com. New website, looks great. Very happy with it. Check it out today if you've not already done so. Bookmark it, all that good stuff so you never miss any updates and get all the good information about the show. And then, of course, if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to ask. Hit that subscribe. Or, wow, you already are subscribed, so you don't need to do that. Uh, Make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you are listening to this show. It helps other people find the show, and it helps this very show continue to grow. So take care of that today on this fine Saturday. I would greatly appreciate it. As always, you can get in touch with the show, Podcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Thomas. Um, 
all that works. If you have a college basketball question for Will or I next week, Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, there you go. Saturday, part one of several parts here on the program. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, up there also in Knoxville, Tennessee, Oak Ridge, still in the greater Knoxville metropolitan area, Will Warren, statsbywill.substack.com. Subscribe today. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I would like to announce that... uh... I, too, am a candidate for the Northwestern football head coaching job. I would take the job for mm-hmm. um, millions of dollars a year, just, like, you were gonna do just a, like literally anybody. I thought you were going to do a West Virginia bit where it's like you actually didn't uh, resign. <laughs> yeah, I did not resign from, from the Chase Thomas podcast. That was uh, not hit. That was not me. It was it was uh, it was my wife. She got a hold of my account Send an email, not on my behalf, not true fake news, Will Warren College Hoops today, college basketball today, don't want to get sued yeah. uh, on this very program. He should have uh, done the Bill Clinton, I did not inhale voice uh, mm-hmm. while doing his little uh, not resignation, resignation. The best piece, I think, on this, now it's been a couple weeks, but I now I feel bad because I'm like, wait, who wrote this a few weeks back? It was in The Athletic. Um but it wasn't Seth Davis. I'm trying to remember who it was. I'm talking about not me, Brian Hamilton. Um, I maybe? usually just guess it's Dana O'Neill. She generally seems. To write I, most but of I know the Dana. Ones. Like I know her. You know how there's some writers like I recognize and like I know immediately who wrote this. Like she's and that's a compliment. Like it's a good thing. And Dana is one of the best college basketball writers going and has been for a long time. But I don't think it was Dana. And I'm trying to figure yeah. out who it was. But uh, they just wrote the definitive piece uh, a few weeks back on like this was how it was going to end always. Like there was no way for it not to end based on the. 30-year track record and everything else we knew about Bob Huggins said it was going to get weird. It was going to end badly. There was not like a retirement happy tour and all this stuff. It was never going to end that way, but um, it had to get weird. No one had this weird, but we'll <laughs> see how that plays out, I guess. Um, Will, Tennessee breaking news this week. Chris Ledlam, Harvard transfer after being wined and dined in New York by this Tennessee staff mere months ago has bat hopped back in the portal. Josiah Jordan James will not be playing as a walk-on uh, this December, it looks like. Um, so he will fill that final uh, scholarship slot with Ledlam entering the portal. But we wondered how this would work. The depth was great. And that was obviously the first thought was like, wow, Rick has a lot of options and versatility in what he wants to do. My first thought, though, and I wonder if this is where you went, I was like, I'm glad we took one option off the board for rick because love rick barnes to death but i'm like i didn't want to be a scenario where you and i are on this podcast in january and we're like he's still doing the lead lemon uh toby toby awaka lineups he's still doing a lot of these big lineups that i just they're gonna be (laughs) ugly and he's like you just gotta do it you gotta start ludlam you gotta start toby you gotta do whatever you gotta start mayshack at the three and you're like all right at some point shooting has to matter we can have the number one defense and that's gonna be awesome but uh can we not and this actually takes that off the board so my first thought was like this is actually the best case scenario for me did you have that same thought maybe not best case scenario but i think it was kind of i mean you know Grant Ramey, who did most of the legwork on this for on three, I mean, he did seem surprised. Like, Tennessee didn't really see this departure coming, all of 
that much because of the, I mean, Barnes was talking about this recently as two days ago publicly. Mm. So I, I think it's a little bit of a surprise there. But the second that Josiah Jordan James announced he was returning, I kind of looked at Ledlam and I thought, you know, I feel bad for the guy because I feel like he got sold a bill of goods here. Um, because, you know, I mean, the portal can work for and against you. And I think in this case, like it's probably worked for you in the, to, in like, like the Dalton connect territory, mm -hmm. but like for Chris Ledlam, I think it's worked against him where, I mean, he and Tennessee really did not know that Josiah Jordan James was going to come back and basically do the Ledlam thing, but better. I mean, like, you know, even though I think a lot of people are down on triple J at the moment, uh, I have no doubt in my mind Triple J would go to the Ivy League and average 18 and 8, just like Ledlam did, if not quite a bit more. Yeah, he's a better player. He's like, a better player. So yeah. I, I think Ledlam would have been fighting for like, and it's a nice thing to be able to say this, seventh or eighth man minutes, where it's like mm. kind of tail end of the rotation, like some nights you're going to play six, some nights you're going to play 26. You really don't know. Mm. Uh, and that's not what he signed up for. He signed up to start. Um and I'm sure he anticipated. But you can't fault Tennessee for that, right? Because like I think it even it, I think this is more a fault in the process of timelines, right? The calendar oh, yeah. kind of did this in a way where like Josiah had to he couldn't commit and he didn't know what he was going to do. And like when the NBA draft happens and when you're doing the combine and when you're also having to navigate the portal and making promises to kids like they couldn't wait on Josiah. They still had to make moves with the impression that like we understand that you and Santi and company can't tell us definitively yet. But also we have to get these guys in the portal because they're going to be picked up by somebody else in this timeline. So it's like, I don't think you can really fault Tennessee like they sold him a bill of goods. In well, yeah, terms that's, of that's a little strong for sure. But I, I would say it's more of like they knew Vescovy was going to come back and all like right. they they really did not think Josiah was coming. back. None of us did. Right. Like no, this no, was, a was a gigantic massive shocker. shocker. Mm -hmm. So, I mean. I think it's more of like he he committed to Tennessee thinking, you know, I'm just going to guesstimate here. I'm playing like 25 minutes a night, we'll say, mm -hmm. like kind of tail end starter type of minutes. When James comes back, then it's like, oh, God, there's a huge rotation log jam. This is without considering like Meshack kind of not being the exact same player, but being like a smaller version of an interior guy who can dribble and draw fouls mm -hmm. and obviously a far better defender. And the fact that Tennessee's got like seven players who are between six four and six six available, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it just kind of it became a numbers game in a negative sense for him. So I think mm -hmm. it's probably best for both parties to split because, yes, it's nice to have a lot of options, but at the same time, there is a such thing as too many options. I think we've seen before where you've got a lot of like third and fourth men and not mm -hmm. a lot of first and seconds and. You don't want the attitudes of guys who aren't playing as much as they thought they would sort of clogging up the locker room chemistry. And I don't think he would have played as much as he had hoped. So, you know, the the best place for him now, it kind of seems like St. John's is the rumor there. And hmm. I mean, he really, despite the fact St. John's has all their scholarships committed on paper, he really is not going to have like a ton of elite competition to start. Um, it's based on my quick reading of it and St. John's people who know more than me could know more here. Um, I think it's like him, a kind of mediocre Oregon state transfer and a, a nondescript guy from Iona who are battling for the same starting role. Where did nondescript so, uh, go to high school? Huh? Where did nondescript go to high school? Uh, Warren County. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but 
no, I think he's, it's just like a better situation. Right. And, you know, not to say that it's like totally night and day, but that type of body type of six foot six undersized power forward, who isn't really a great shooter really just does work a lot better in the Ivies than it would have in the SEC or the big 10. That's fair. And we can wish for the best. And um, I hope it works out. If he's at St. John's, wherever, I hope it's a good fit. But mm. I don't think Tennessee fans don't panic over the Ludlum departure. I think Tennessee will be just fine. Um, and that we'll end on this with Tennessee. What do you think the opening night tip off lineup is going to look like now? I'll go without opening night. I'm going to go just like full strength because I really don't know if Ziegler will be available. That's like what I was, I was going to say. So I don't think Ziegler is going to be ready opening night. So do uh, opening night. I'm curious what you think Barnes is going to do. Opening night is probably one of Meshach or Adilion, mm -hmm. Vescovy, Connect, Triple J, and then one of Adu or Awaka. That's yeah. your starting five. I think I would... I'm going to bet that he does like Tobey playing as well as he has this summer. And just mm -hmm. the, like, I can't do it because as the leader of the Jonas, I do is a really good player and hopefully will be shooting threes and should be a really good player for Tennessee this year club. I can't take him out of the starting lineup and I want him to flourish this year. Um, granted he takes those corner and top of the key threes, Jonas. I know you can do it. I've seen it. I know you've got the, you got the look, do it. Um, but I think it's going to be Jonas, at the five, uh, Triple J at the four, Meshack at the three, Santi at the two, and then uh, DeLeon at the starting guard, late guard spot. I could see that too. Uh, I really don't know what they're... I mean, they've got a good thing here where once at full strength, you, I would say, have seven guys that are mm -hmm. like high major level starters. Yeah. Uh, so Vescovy, Ziggler, James, Connect, Adu, Meshack, DeLeon... Awaka, I think jury is out on being a like a consistent high major starter. We saw flashes mm. of it, but I mean, there's no doubt like he could certainly battle his way into that this year. Yeah. So it's a good problem to have where like Jordan Ganey, who was a 50% three point shooter a year ago and was easily the best player in a bad USC upstate team is like probably your ninth or 10th man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a good problem to have. Uh, yeah. It's a good problem to have. Tennessee's going to be just fine. Um, AAC though, team that struggled last year that you like their roster more this upcoming season. You like their scheme more. So you're kind of bullish on that. Their shot selection, defense, certain stat that has you intrigued. Which AAC team is that for you right now? Well, not really many. This is not like a conference that's going to be very exciting. I think it's, it's pretty clearly a two team race. So mm. it's like FAU and Memphis are at the top, which is mm -hmm. funny given that, you know, flip literally one play and it's probably memphis in the final four instead of fau yeah um but if i had to pick a team beyond those two uh and i mean i already liked them last year i think i would go with smu and rob Lanier. Mm. uh i don't think that it's a tournament roster on paper not not by any real mm. stretch of the imagination but they went five and 13 in conference play last year. And I have a hard time thinking that they will not do quite a bit better this time around. Uh, Zurich Phelps, Samuel Williamson, Chuck Harris, Tyreek Smith, all players I quite like. Um, BJ Edwards transfers in from Tennessee. I don't know that that's going that. to immediately be like a starting level role for him. Cause Chuck Harris is a solid little point. Um, but as well as Zurich Phelps, but mm. uh, I think BJ 
at least at minimum, that's a better area of competition for him right now. And, you know, could be a chance for him to thrive. And like I said, you know, it's really a two-team conference, FAU and Memphis, where the tiers are pretty clearly defined. But beyond Memphis, it is kind of a free-for-all for third. So I wouldn't be shocked at all to see SMU rise up out of there. They play 20 conference games this year, which is going to be kind of strange. So, I mean, Hmm. at least I think it's 20. If so, I mean, like, you could pretty, it's easy to picture, like, somebody has to win games and say, so, like, SMU 13 and 7 in conference play, not an outlandish thing to think. That's interesting. I I wonder, is BJ going to be big-time player? Do you think he has major minutes and has a strong role in SMU this year or no? I think he can start. I don't think he'll be like a 36-minute-a-night guy like Pember is for UNC Mm. Asheville, but I think he's like a mid-major starter for sure. God, Pember is back for another year. Don't we love it? Uh, UNC Asheville, my second college basketball team that I love. And they play a style that you and I both love, five-out basketball over there in Asheville. I I will note a runner-up here. I don't know that I like the roster, Mm. but I love the scheme is a USF hiring Abdurrahim from Kennesaw State. Might Mm. be the single biggest coaching upgrade uh, this offseason. I like it. Um, where do you go? SMU. Do you, what would you put the percentage they make the tournament this year based on their current not, roster? Not high, like 10. I wouldn't Ooh. put anybody, uh, beyond Memphis higher than 10. Wow. Okay. It's AAC. just, it's a, it's not a very good conference, especially given that like so many of the best have departed for the big 12. That's true. Um, are we due for a huge Wisconsin season? John Rostein, he had this tweet that I wanted to pick your brain on. Here, because I know you're not ready for this. You're not ready for a world where Wisconsin uh, is a really good basketball team yet again. But they return the most scoring by percentage, 92%, ahead of Purdue, which is pretty big at 88%. Are you buying a lot of uh, Wisconsin could be elite talk or offseason talk here? No, uh, here's hoping we're not going to see this. Um, no, I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be kind of what they generally are under Greg Gard, which is like an eight seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can almost, it's pretty easy to map it out, actually. So November and December happen. They win like one to two more than they should. They beat, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't, we'll guess like St. Mary's, somebody in the top 15. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, Wisconsin, they're, this is the year that, and they get like the fawning Sports Illustrated story about them. They're like 17th heading into Big Ten play. And then they go 10 and 10. And nobody mm. thinks about them until they're an eight seed. That seems to happen like every single season under Greg Gard. They excluded uh, the Johnny Davis year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think like returning production has become actually a bit overrated in how we analyze uh, basketball teams. Because this is returning production from one of the most abysmal offenses to watch that I can recall in the Big Ten, which is really an accomplishment to get to if you stand out from the pack in that way. A Mm. truly sickening offense to watch night in, night out last year. Um, But, I mean, they'll probably be better just for some amount of continuity. And I think we've kind of got a good base level with Wisconsin where we can expect them to, at worst, be like a top 20 defense every single season, sometimes Mm. top 10. So... They're going to have that, and they're going to be good on that alone. But as usual with them, it's just like how undisgusting can you make their offense in a one-off season? But like, do you think it can be? What What do you think is the best uh, Bart Torvik possibility for them? I I can definitely see a scenario where like, you know, they they overperform a good bit. They end up like, you know, twentieth or something, mm-hmm. and like that's a good season for them. I mean, I think Bo Ryan kind of like 
push the bounds of what we should expect from them a bit too much. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay if Greg Gard's not Bo Ryan. He's still, like, a pretty good coach. Do you think um, they could do better? Huh? Do you think they could do better than Bo than uh, Greg Gard? No, not really. I mean, like, they, there's, like, a possibility you could, but it, it's it's kind of a weird place to try and win. Mm -hmm. um, then again, they did just hire Luke Fickle, so that could be bad analysis. But um, That was really out there, though. That was random, man. That's still just going to be weird, him patrolling but the that sidelines. Show, that shows, like, they're committed to winning, which I yeah. like. Uh, but, like, when you look at the Wisconsin roster, it's very hard to pick out a player where you're like, oh, yeah, that guy can take over a game and score. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really have much faith in Chucky Hepburn. Um, Steven Crowell, definitely a player everybody remembers. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't have a lot of faith there. Um, the one guy that I actually think could take the leap is Connor Asijian. Hmm. Uh, I did actually quite like him last year uh, on their roster. He's about the one player that I could stand watching uh, night in, night out. So they've got pieces, and there's a path to them being like frisky, but they're frisky to me in, in the manner that like an eight seed is tough to beat. I just wonder, are they? If you had to put a percentage on Wisconsin being the best team in the Big Ten this year, what would you put the percentage oh, of likely? No. Uh, I don't think they're going to be better than Purdue. I think that would be a stunner. Mm. Um, I. If I had to rank the Big Ten teams right now, I might have them like fifth hmm. at fourth or fifth. So I think it's Purdue and MSU. Purdue's like fairly clearly number one to me, then MSU. And then it is a just like a big mashup of teams. I could see Illinois coming out of that crowd. It could be Indiana. I mean, like there's like honestly about eight or nine teams you could argue for third place. Mm. And so Wisconsin's in that group. Like I could definitely see them ending up third. But I could also see them ending up 11th if they once again cannot shoot a basketball. Interesting. Um, well, there you go. Wisconsin maybe okay uh, going into next year. <laughs> Not the best, but hey, top that's, four ish. That's sort of my general feeling on them, though. It's like maybe they're okay. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, like they don't have to be bad or good. But they, of the, of what I would call the good programs in college basketball, and make no mistake, they are good. Like mm. generally quite good. They are by far the most boring. It, it's it's very Wisconsin football, right? Yeah. Pre-fickle. They're always good, but there's never a time where you've watched Wisconsin game post-Russell Wilson and been like, I had a lot of fun watching that. I, uh, I do wonder, like, I think Penn State's probably going to be the biggest <laughs> shocker for a lot of folks this year. Mm -hmm. We're like, and <laughs> I, I just, Rhodes, I like him. He was in the pod last year. I just think going from what um, they had last year under Micah versus what he's going to run is just going to be like Penn State fans, and it's not Mike Rhodes' fault, but like for them and the fan base to really start enjoying like fun, hyper effective offense back to like VCU basketball. It's just like, oh, I yeah. understand this will probably be okay, but like this is pretty fun with Micah Shrewsbury for a little bit. That was that was fun. Like we were playing fun basketball, and now we're we're back to Brett Bielema. Big Ten football. And, and I, I think where it's going to suffer a lot is just like fan support. And it's not yeah. through any of Mike's own fault. Mm. Uh, Penn State just doesn't really have like basketball fans in yeah. the way that a lot of Big Ten schools have like legitimately basketball obsessed fan bases. Theirs are just kind of like if they're good, they'll show up. If they're not, mm, don't bother. Yeah. 
I agree. Um, Will, another uh, interesting transfer in North Dakota State in the last few weeks. Grant Nelson is transferring to Alabama. Um, what do you what do you make about him? And do you think he could be a sneaky, important player for Bama this fall? Uh, I think they kind of had to get him because I'm not really sure who else would have played center. Mm. Um, I guess so they got a I'm not going to bother with the last name Muhammad from West Virginia mm-hmm. uh, as like a belated belated transfer. But prior to that, it was like, are you going to play Nick Pringle at center? Are you going to try and do a small ball with Sam Walters? And so getting Grant Nelson is nice because uh, I don't think I don't think there's any realm of possibility where he surprises in a positive manner as a defender. I think he just is what he is, which is just okay on defense. Not much of a rim protector, uh, but not much of a fowler either, which is nice. I think the shooting ability is a bit overstated. He's a 31% shooter for his career. But when you're talking about 6'11 big men, you can like kind of scale that up to be like, I don't know, 35 or so for a guard. So it's it's like it's a solid average shot, good rebounder. Um, I think he's useful for them in the sense that when you look at their roster, and you can count Aaron Estrada in this group too, it's really hard to p- point to guys who have like proven college experience at scoring when they need points. And, you know, Alabama's consistently had that for a while, whether it's Miller last year. I mean, even like Javon Quinterly was quite good at that. John Petty, et cetera, Herb Jones. They've had guys in the past who can take over the game late and get the buckets when they need to, like the go-to guys. I don't really feel convinced of that with Mark Sears, for example. Uh, And Estrada will see, but you would hope that one of Estrada or Nelson can do that at the SEC level. And that's kind of what they needed most, I think, because, you know, the system's going to be there. We generally know the defense is going to be there with Nate Oates. It's just a matter of if they have that late game score. Do you think they're going to be just as good as last year or no? I don't think they'll be just as good. I think they're going to take a step back, but it's like in the sense that they'll be 14th best instead of, you know, third or whatever. They're still going to be quite good. And I'm in better on than Tennessee. Their, huh? Better than Tennessee. No, I think Tennessee has the better roster on paper, but fewer holes for sure. I think there's a scenario, though, where Alabama could surprise in a positive manner offensively, but take a step back on D. Hmm. Um, and it's it's hard to say that, <laughs> given that it's Oates we're talking about. But, I mean, they did lose Betty Ako, which was a surprise. They lost uh, Noah Clowney, who is way more important in that defense than I think a lot of people thought. Hmm. And obviously, you lose Brandon Miller, who is, you know, not an elite defender, but a really good one that could switch quite well and very physical for his size. So how they replace that is going to be really interesting to me because, again, hard to look at the roster and pinpoint an obvious A-plus defender. Sears comes closest to me, Mm -hmm. but he's not that guy in a way that previous that guys have been for Alabama. Yeah, they're going to be... The SEC is just going to be, I think, pretty... I, I agree. Like, I just think that Tennessee's actually going to be elite. Like, I'd be surprised if Tennessee's not, like, in their own tier in the SEC this year. And then I think tier two is just going to be an absolute mess. Like, I think some of the bad teams are... Like, I think Old Miss will be a little bit better. I think Mississippi State will be a struggle again for a lot of folks. I think Vanderbilt won't be a walk... Like, they won't be a walkover. They'll be okay. Like, not a tournament team, but, like, just kind of a pain at the bottom of the conference. And then you have the Kentuckys, the Auburns, the LSUs who... We'll see what LSU looks like in year two with uh, McMahon. Like, I just, I feel like there's a whole lot more, like, I think Mizzou takes a step back. I just think there's going to be a lot of weird results and a lot of 
teams really close bunched together. We're like, are we sure any of these teams are good? I think that's what we're going to look at with a lot of these SEC teams this year. Well, I think it's going to be like a big 12, like a diet big 12 situation Hmm. where like whoever wins the conference is probably not going to have a very impressive record, like 13 and five or 14 and four. But that's going to be in a conference where you've had, you know, we'll say six top 25 teams at year's end, probably. Mm. I mean, that's going to be quite impressive if you get to 13 and five there. So it's kind of like, it won't look beautiful, but if you... Wait, did you say your six in the top 25? Sorry? Did you say six in the top 25? I think I would put six in the top 25. Who are the six right now? Top of your head. Uh, UT, Alabama. I, I would actually have A&M above Alabama. I like mm. A&M's roster a lot. I cannot stand the way Buzz Williams schedules but I like their roster a lot. I've got I've got a piece on that coming tomorrow, actually. Okay. Um, Florida, I think, would be low end top twenty five, but in there, that's uh, an interesting experiment in just like basically having a mid major roster, but for extraordinarily experienced roster. Mm. Uh, so that's four. I think you got to put Kentucky in there now. I like the roster a bit more than I did a month ago. Auburn earns the benefit of the doubt. So I think that's where I get to six. I don't think I would put Arkansas top 25 right now. Interesting. Are they getting top 25 buzz? Do you think they're going to be in the... I'm sure I th- they will. I think they'll be in the top 25 as like a muscleman respect thing. Yeah. And like they, they have quite a few good players on there, but uh, it's the same thing as usual. It's like I can't really tell you where the shooting's at. Yeah. Um, that's what they love though. <laughs> that's they, a, they love that's a... having the seventh best defense and the eightieth best offense. Hey, it's what they love. It's it's what Muscleman loves. Yeah, um, deep dive team to play them in the most annoying game ever, as usual. Yeah, that's true. Um, deep dive team from 2022-2023 Will Warren, the Washington Huskies. What did you make of this past season for the Huskies? Where are they going? What are the positives, if any? What do you make about the the state of the Huskies? This is not me being mean. This is just an honest question. Does anyone care about Washington anymore? Because like when I was growing up, they were a pretty respected program. Not that Lorenzo Romar is like some amazing coach, but I mean, they made the tournament mm-hmm. like pretty consistently. You had like point guys you could point to as like, oh, they went to Washington. Isaiah Thomas in particular being like, the guy that I really think of when I think of Washington basketball. Oh, I think Brandon basketball. Roy. I might be older than you. Bra- yeah, Brandon Roy too. Yeah. But like, I mean, the last signature player or players they have produced, I guess there's three in the Hopkins tenure. It's Matisse Thibel, who I know more from <laughs> not having his vaccine in time and missing the Toronto series for Philly than I do mm-hmm. anything else. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, who did get paid, good for him. And uh, Jaden McDaniels, who was just like abysmal to watch in college, but has at least been okay in the league. Mm-hmm. Those aren't like guys you point to in recruiting. You're like, hey, Isaiah Stewart went here. No, that doesn't work. This so this is year six of Mike Hopkins. Somehow it doesn't. It both feels longer and shorter. Uh, last four years, Washington is 28 and 50 in Pac-12 play, and that has not been a good Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't cracked the Ken Palm year in top 100 post pandemic. They're supposed to hang their hat on the defensive end with Hopkins being a Syracuse guy with a specific defense. They have not managed to break the top 70 since 2019. Mm -hmm. The offense has been awful all six years, no matter who ran it. And considering I could name three NBA guys in the last four years off the top of my head, plus some other dudes like Terrell Brown and Keon Brooks, 
The fact they mm. haven't cracked the top 100 in Ken Palm offense once under Hopkins, that is embarrassing. It is, it is uh, not, to, not to put too fine a point on it, it is laughably easy as a bit as a power or a big six team to crack the top 100 Northwestern did it last year, Northwestern. Do you remember a single thing about Northwestern's offense? That was good. No, other than boo booey, I guess, mm -hmm. but like it's, it's extraordinarily easy as a big six program to be in the top 100 just one time in six years and they cannot do it. Um, and so for some reason they didn't fire him. I, I I just assume it's like related to football somehow because I know they uh they fired what was it, Jimmy um Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that yeah, that guy. Um He's now a defensive assistant with the Rams, I believe. That's that's like the great thing about college sports is you get fired for like punching your players, and then it's just like, well, you can go to the NFL for a year and then come back in two years. Mm -hmm. Uh likely as a Texas AM assistant. But anyway. Um, the thing is like, they don't lack for talent ever. Like they, mm. so this year in Torvik's talent rating, I think they're top 25, possibly top 20. I'd have to go count it manually. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they have talent every single year recruiting wise. Mm -hmm. They had Keon Menefield last year, who was a four-star recruit who ended up transferring to Arkansas. Cause there's a lot of talent in that area. Like it's yeah, a good place of to talent yeah. around Seattle mm -hmm. and the Northwest in general. They never have lacked for talent. I mean, go look at basically any of the Lorenzo Romar rosters and tell me mm. where they lacked for talent. Washington always has talent. They went hard in the transfer portal. They're very old. If How this did Golden up, not end up at UW? Who? Uh, Ty Golden. That's a timing, I'm guessing. Mm. Where like they probably should have fired Hopkins, but I think that team the year Golden got the Florida job ended up twelve and eight in the Pac twelve, mm. and like that saved it for him. Where like they probably could have fired him, but it was hard to when you go over five hundred. It's like well that's progress. So or just like do the grandfather offer once for Tommy Lloyd, like yeah, before I mean, that. Like you can, he's been to, like, try. Yeah. Um, if it all adds up to Hopkins finally making a tournament, I'll eat my words, but. What this looks like on paper to me, and it, it's funny to me because I've been seeing a lot of tweets like, Washington's really going all in this year. They, it's like, oh, wow, they added Paul Mulcahy. That really mm -hmm. changes the ceiling for everything. I mean, could you guys watch Rutgers basketball ever? Yeah. Paul is a good player. He's not like some sort of franchise-shifting star. Well, you can't you can't get mad at folks for not watching Rutgers basketball this past That's year. That's true. Well, it I wasn't a fun watching it, and I'm required yeah. to. I know. Um, but if it adds up to what I expect, which is like Washington going eight and twelve or nine and eleven or whatever, and the mm -hmm. Pac-12 never reaching the public consciousness yet again, <laughs> we're going to be wondering like why we let this experiment continue another year. I mean, they're lucky in that somehow Joe Pasternak at UC Santa Barbara didn't leave for a better job, or Russ mm -hmm. Turner at UC Irvine didn't like. You're going to have your pick of like big West, big sky types, mm. but, or, or David Riley at Eastern Washington, for example, who I really like. Uh, but I mean, like you said, you had your shot at getting like a Todd Golden style individual. Mm -hmm. uh, you've had numerous other West Coast guys who you could have at least thrown the, thrown some sort of a bag at. You can do better. I know they can do better than this. There's just too much talent. Like it's just a waste. Like yeah. it's really a waste. And then like you compare that to the state of Oregon basketball. Did you read the piece in the athletic on Dana Altman? Mm -hmm. 
where he's uh, he's blaming the youths, which is always a good strategy. <laughs> that man is tired, and that man just I I think he's one of the he's probably what one that's twenty college basketball coaches of the last thirty years. What do you say? Yeah, oh, he's good. He's very good. Yeah. yeah, but like I just read that story, and I was like. This is a man who will be retiring from uh, college basketball sooner rather than later. Within like two years, probably. Yeah. That man ran out of answers and it's just like, uh, these U's don't care about winning anymore. And when you, when that comes out, when that story comes out, you're like, this is uh, this is probably it. The, we're, we're winding down the Dana Altman experience. Like that man is uh, like just this way of building. And that was something that was highlighted in the piece of like, he loved the Juco route. He was like the Bill Snyder of college basketball and the way he built teams. And it's like, that's just not how you build rosters anymore. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Kind of a and, quiet uh, ending. The whole Northwest basketball scene needs to improve because there's too much talent for it to be the current right. state of affairs. And the, the, uh, the hard thing with Hopkins is like, I, so I've got the p- list of Pac-12 basketball coaches pulled up right now. Uh-huh. How many do you think he is definitively better than? Uh, we don't know about Mark Madsen yet, um, but he was Mark better Madsen. than he, Mark Madsen's better. Let me pull up. Hold on. Uh, who's Utah's coach off the top of your head? Uh, Craig Smith. Yeah, I would say he's better than him. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, that might be. Oh, Stanford. Wait and see. I think the, that's the it. Only, I think he's Oh, and then floor. obviously Robinson. Or not Robinson. Robinson. What is his name? Um, the Lane dude Tinkle. in... Tinkle, yes. Uh, um, but, but at least yeah. with Tinkle, it's like they have zero resources. They're never going to invest But he's in still just bad. He is bad. But... And there are going to be Oregon State fans who are like, I seem to recall Oregon State beating Tennessee, that uh, bad head coach beat Tennessee in the tournament three years ago. <laughs> You can so here's the thing. It's like the it's like NBA analysis. You can be a bad head coach and still be really freaking good at your job. Yeah. Uh it's just it's all perspective. It's all relative. Also, Kyle Smith, really good coach. Uh, but like the only guy that I would honestly say is contending for worse is like maybe Tinkle. I don't like Bobby Hurley, but I would say Bobby Hurley's better than Mike. He's Hopkins. definitely better, yeah. I would say definitely, definitely better. Better organizer of talent somehow. That's part of it though. Yeah, part of being a CEO coach and part of being a coach in college basketball, you do have to organize it. Um, just never mind. I'm not going to say that on air. Um, Will, uh, what about your stats that have caught your eye? Do you have a stat of the week for us as we wrap up here tonight? Got two related to a post coming out uh, once this podcast is out about scheduling among Big Six conferences and mm. who schedules up, who schedules down. You know, the whole nine yards. Uh, I would like to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has played more top 100 teams? Alabama in last season alone. And this is non-conference, by the way, non-conference only. So Alabama last season alone or Texas A&M in the entire Buzz Williams era? Well, the fact that you've framed the question this way, I'm going to say Texas A&M. Uh, both have played nine. Alabama played nine top 100 opponents last year. A&M has played nine in four seasons. Wow. That's why I made the Buzz Williams comment, because, you know, I think he's correct. He wants A&M basketball to be taken seriously, right? Like mm. they finished really strong last year. They're always really good in SEC play somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, I don't think about them until January 15th, not January 6th, an A&M fan's favorite day um, <laughs> for, but I mean, like you don't think about them for two months because they don't play anybody. They're playing Southeastern Louisiana. They're playing Prairie View A&M. Play a real opponent, mm-hmm. please. 
And and so that's one part. The other part is a little rosier because I think this is just a cool and weird stat. So this is the last five seasons. Mm. Kansas is number one with 25 wins against top 100 non-conference opponents. Gonzaga's number two. They have 21. Mm. Who do you think is number three? I have no idea. Top my head. I, I will promise you four guesses, and I do not think you would get it in four guesses because I would not have. Okay, then definitely just tell me. It's Oklahoma with yeah, never... 20. Wow. Oklahoma, Oklahoma 2018-19 to present. 20 and 10 in non-conference play against top 100 opponents. Hmm. I never would have guessed that because they always seem to finish like 17 and 14. Uh, not part, not least because they play in the hardest conference in human history. Mm -hmm. But I mean, which is only going to get harder if that UConn rumor picks up. <laughs> Just... it's, it's like la so last year, 15 and seven, five and 13, 54th overall. <laughs> Uh, the year the year before that, I actually think was even better. 19 and 16, 7 11 in Big 12 play, 30th in Ken Palm. They're just like, can we transfer the SEC now? Can they, we get they badly out? <laughs> no wonder they wanted to get up like two years early. I mean, but it's like, no wonder like when they play SEC teams in that little crossover challenge or when they play like, you know, it's like they beat Florida on a, a neutral floor last year. They beaten Seton Hall 2021, 22 just scanning through quickly, beat Arkansas in a neutral by 22, uh, you know, demolished Alabama in the crossover affair last year. When they can get out of playing Big 12 teams, <laughs> they're really damn good. The problem is that they have to play Big 12 teams 70% uh, of the time. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. Well, Will, you do have some new pieces that you just alluded to over there on statsbywill.substack.com. Become a subscriber today if you are not already. New pieces coming out. The offseason, you need to stay on top of things because the regular season will be here before you know it. Um, anything else you want to plug here before we wrap up? Got that schedules post coming tomorrow. I had one recently about uh, neutral sites and their effect on uh, shooting just to say that neutral sites actually produce better games more reliably than true home and away games in non-conference play. Except when, very they're, except when they're, in, they're in Brooklyn. Yeah, except when they use the uh, horrifying Spalding TF-1000. Yes. On sale at Dick's right now. Um, and <laughs> I, I assume so. Uh, and then I've got some more pieces coming. I am eventually going to finish my newest mid-range post as well as a few others, but... Uh, really ready for this phase of the year to just move on it's just kind of like it's july let's get to august let's get a month closer let's get some schedules released that mm. gets my blood flowing a little bit more because don't wish your like, wife uh, don't wish your life away will i know i know just but, embrace it it's july it's and I, easy. I like july i get to watch some baseball but like i'm ready I, I need to see some schedule releases i need to think about the maui invitational a little bit this is real sicko behavior. This is some classic sicko, Will. <laughs> uh, you're going to find a way to watch. Who does Tennessee play on the Vol Network? Who's hidden? Is it Wisconsin? Who do they play? Who's the Michigan State game this year where they're hidden? Oh, it, it is Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. The, the one where you have to like wait until an assistant slips up yes. in a private chat <laughs> to, to reveal anything that happened to the public. Tennessee kicked the shit out of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> or can, uh, that's my favorite. It's like this is um, this. I don't, this assistant's no longer at Tennessee, so it doesn't matter. But uh, they had one of those secret scrimmages one year, and uh, a reporter was like, "You know, Tennessee won this blank to blank." I don't remember who it was, or I think it was usually Davidson. 
Uh, and I was like, well, how do you know that? And he was like, because assistant called me and said, hey, we just won bike to bike <laughs> in a scrimmage that was supposed to be completely off the record. So some guys just like to share stories, you know? Yeah, some guys. Some guys, Will Warren. Well, Will, thank you as always. Go subscribe. That's why will.substack.com. Type your email. That easy. That simple. Do it today. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.